Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel. Talking Terps is brought to you courtesy of Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Mercer is a third-generation family business established in 1959 and is located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster, Maryland of Carroll County. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer. So Maryland finishes uh, uh, the month of September. We're at 3-1 and one after a tight loss to Michigan last week. Uh, credit to Mike and Pat for having more faith in Maryland than I did. Uh, they're the ones who predicted Maryland would cover. I did not. Uh, and we've got a big week ahead of us, uh, really a big month ahead of us with four what I would call winnable games that will break down. Uh, my co-host, Mike Povic, Pat Donahue. Pat, how's it going, man? It's going well, Zach. Um, you know, I don't know how <clears throat> how much conviction I really had in my prediction for the Michigan game because I'll tell you something, within like five minutes of that game, I was already off the bandwagon texting people saying, of course, like when, when the kickoff bounced off our player's face that's when i was just like oh no yeah I was like three seconds wrong. in yeah i figured i'd be turning this thing off by halftime when that happened but man was i proud and glad i didn't turn it off uh we'll talk about it more but yeah like you said winnable schedule coming up yeah mike how are you I'm doing well, but you're giving me too much credit. I, I did not pick uh, Maryland to cover the spread on that one. I, I, said, I said that I thought it would be right at that line, okay. 16 and a half or 17, but no, I did not. So thank you, but um, you have little faith was me. All right, so Pat's the one who had faith in Maryland. Yes. Okay, good. Usually it's more it's of me. a homer pick than anything, right? It was uh, – I honestly – because not only did they cover, they were like covering the whole game. They like yeah. stayed within it. I kept waiting for something to happen, but every time they had a little bit of um, adversity, they they seemed to bounce back and stay within it. And obviously Michigan had their fair share of um, adversity as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know we're about to talk about it. So go ahead, Zach. Yeah, Mike, I want to get your thoughts initially because you're the Michigan, our resident Wolverine expert. I, for our listeners out there, he's got the Michigan hoodie on. He's, he's in trader yeah, mode. That was, not, that was not by design. I know this has happened two of the last three weeks where I've had Michigan gear on doing this, and that was not by design. Uh, obviously, I was thrilled to see um, you know Maryland be in this game. I, I guess a couple of things that stand out. One is it's amazing outside of what we saw by Ty Felton on that very first play. It's amazing what happens when you don't, though, have a lot of penalties. Now, they did end up having three turnovers in the game, and that – you know, that certainly hurts you. The one was on special teams. The one interception by Tunga Bailoa, first off, that was just a poorly thrown ball behind the receiver. That was not a bad read, but that was not a pick. That should have been yeah. reviewed. So to me, it should have been two turnovers. But it is amazing when you have just one penalty for five yards. It's amazing how far that can take you to begin with there. And that was important. I think the thing that shocked me the most, though, was the fact that the Maryland secondary – and, and I know on, on the television, they were talking about a lot of zone. I saw plenty of man there myself. I was amazed at how that back end held up. And I'm not saying that Michigan has the most elite of receivers, but they have speed. Guys in space can make plays 
Ronnie Bell, uh, some of those other guys, uh, he leads the way. I was surprised by that greatly. Um, so that was really something that stood out to me uh, with, uh, you know, with this game. And Pat, you mentioned the the first three to ten seconds of the game. Ty Felton uh, fumbles the opening kickoff. Michigan one play touchdown at seven nothing. And I think we all had the same thought. Like here we go again. It's Maryland. It's on. They're on a big national stage, and they're they're gonna fall apart. But to their credit, the Maryland team of even last year and definitely the last almost decade would have fallen over, but they didn't. They continued to fight and kept things close. Seventeen thirteen Michigan at halftime. Yeah, and you know what? The more I see this, um, not that we've seen this a ton from the this Maryland teams, like you said, teams of the past probably would have fallen apart when that happened. But the more I, I guess I should say, I watched this year's team play, or even I'd say I think it kind of caught on fire last year. Um, and obviously the bowl game went went very well for them. Um, I honestly think these Tagovailoa guys might have something, you know, some ice in their veins and something to them, you know, that you see what Tua's doing with the Dolphins, you see what Talia's doing with the Terps, and granted, neither guy has, say, you know, the ideal size or the ideal arm strength or anything that's necessarily ideal about them, but they seem to have great leadership qualities, they seem to have great football IQs, they seem to be, um, you know, just calm under pressure and being able to make the plays with either their legs or their arm when when it needs to be made. And, and what they're really good at, both Tua and Talia, is getting the ball in their playmakers' hands. Um, you know, both have plenty of speed and plenty of playmakers around them. And, and Talia's just out there distributing. You know, he's not trying to force feed balls to Rakim Jarrett, who, who despite kind of having an up-and-down season so far statistically, I still believe in his talent and think he's going to be a great receiver at the next level and everything. I, I mean, we've seen Stefan Diggs and other great DJ Moore and all not necessarily post crazy numbers um, when they are obviously more than pro prospects. Um, yeah, I mean, I just really think that this was a about as good as you can feel. And I think I even wrote in my uh, piece that got published this morning that, you know, I'm not big for moral victories. Uh, usually, you know, I do believe some losses are worse than others, but at the same time, a loss is a loss. Uh, but this is a loss where Maryland must be going to this game against Michigan State now, feeling com about as confident as they can be about themselves because uh, they almost took down the better team in Michigan in the big house. So um, they do got to do something about that run defense, though. Blake Corum is a great player, and I remember covering him when he was a recruit in Maryland, kind of, you know, barking up that tree a little bit. But, um, He's not 243 yards <laughs> good. We kind of made him seem, you know, kind of unreal there. Um, he took advantage. But, um, yeah, you're in the Big Ten, uh, maybe not particularly against Michigan State because they like to pass the ball a lot, but they're going to have to shore up that run defense for sure. Yeah, going back to Talia, you know, I, I agree. I think he just has those intangibles. Um, I think we've seen it ever since he got here. I think we've seen it even more this year. One play that really stood out to me from that game, they were they were driving in the red zone, and he converts a third and maybe six or seven with his legs down near the sideline, near the end zone. And he gets up and is absolutely fired up. He's going yeah. back into the huddle, jumping around. That's what you love to see from this guy, and he does have the belief of his teammates, especially on the offensive side. Um, you know, they believe that he can do anything. And even though his numbers weren't necessarily the most impressive this last week, the lack of penalties, and then, you know, there were two bad decisions uh, that he made throwing the football. Of course, 
really only maybe one of them. Even that second pick, it looked like hit the ground and should have at least had another look at it. I was going to say a lot of his turnovers, not necessarily this game in particular, but he's pretty good at protecting the ball, at least by Maryland yeah. standards. I don't I don't see him out there like – except for what game was it? Was oh, it was Iowa last year. Was it Iowa last year? That yeah. was the game where I've never seen – Northwestern, his Northwest. first game in a Maryland yeah. uniform. Yeah, yeah. That I'll maybe let that one slide a little bit. But the Iowa one was the one I was thinking of where I just never – that that was not to Lee. I don't know what he had going on personally that day or whatever, but he was just throwing the ball to the other team. He doesn't typically do that. A lot of balls sometimes hit off guys' hands or get tipped to the line, things of that nature. Um, but, yeah, the guy is fiery. The guy's a leader. The guy's clearly tough. Um, and what about Billy Edwards, too? <laughs> Billy yeah. Edwards looked like, hey, A.J. Swan, who cares? We got Billy Edwards Jr., baby. Yeah, you know, Mike, uh, Talia did have to leave the game um, for one snap, middle of the game, because of a rib injury. It looked like he got the wind knocked out of him. And then he suffered a knee injury towards the end of the game. He probably could have played through it, but down two scores, they put in Billy Edwards. Right. Sounds like Talia has been practicing this week, but is using a knee brace. So something to keep an eye on. But always good to have a backup quarterback, especially going into next year. You know, Edwards is going to be the leader for the starting job, and good to see what he can do in a two-minute situation in the big house. No, absolutely. Uh, very impressive. In fact, I had a family member of mine who lives in Michigan, obviously a Wolverines fan, that said that uh, he texted me and was impressed with what Edwards had to do or what Edwards did. Uh, yeah, the, the, the one thing, though, with Tonga Vailoa, he still doesn't have that signature win. And, look, I know we sure. went into this game – well, I mean, what about the bowl game against uh, VT? Is that not? I guess VT. Well, I mean, let's, be, let's be fair. VT they had like half their team. Yeah, right. I mean, right. It was a third string. It was a big, game. like, significant win, but not against a good big team. Big stage, New York City, but yeah, not right. not team wise, not opponent wise. Right. Yeah, good, good point. Good I'm point. not. Yeah, I'm not trying, but the, the, he still lacks the signature win. Now, I'm not saying that he was expected to go in and pull that off on Saturday. That was that was a big mountain to climb. Uh, but the thing that hurt, though, is that that second interception, you know, again, the first one was not an interception. It was a poorly thrown ball. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, that was a poorly thrown ball that led to uh, what the ref said was a pick, unfortunately. But it wasn't a bad read. But that second interception, though, when Michigan goes up 20, 27 to 19, that second interception, though, that was certainly a very bad read and a bad decision. And that ends up leading to a touchdown there that puts Michigan up 34-19. And at that point, to me, that kind of seals things at that point. I know Maryland scored another touchdown, uh, but still, that really hurt there. And I'm not putting the entire game on him, uh, but that's something that hurt um, in this game was that untimely interception on that play. And then, unfortunately, a poorly thrown ball early on. So, I mean, those, those do matter at the end of the day. And going back to Blake Corum, yeah, I mean, the, the numbers for Corum – Right. We made him look better maybe than he was, although he's an outstanding back and many considered him a, a top five, top ten back in the in college football. It, it, both times, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a short uh, distance play and they caught Maryland sells out and he bounces it outside and he ends up going for a bunch of yards or a touchdown on one of them. Uh, I know Loxley, though, was really upset on the one play that, OK, where is the outside contained, though? that there's somebody that should have been on the outside. And I think one of the safeties, whether it was Trader or whether it was Braid, should have been on the outside. Somebody should have been there, and no one was there. Well, that first touchdown came on a fourth and one when Michigan was rushing to the line. Loxley's got to call timeout there. I mean, yeah, that was easy to see that the defense was not ready. Uh, you know, 
the the players i mean you can't have really something called there so they're just reacting Fair and enough. yeah you know having outside contained there by a safety everybody was up on the line so they ran some form of zero coverage kind of themselves i don't even know if brian williams could have gotten that call in but that's where loxley's got to realize they're not in position you got to call time out there yeah, it was it was just it was the second play on the on the short that i was yes. talking about but you're absolutely right that's a good call uh, should have had a timeout on that uh, on that play there um, you know, and another thing that stands out, you know, having Chad Ryland, uh, we certainly yeah. know that this offense uh, doesn't have to get too far into the other team's territory to kick a field goal. Yeah, uh, I think I saw first time a Maryland kicker has ever kicked two 50 plus yard field goals in one game. So not only I, I think I think not only is he going to go down as the best kicker in Maryland history, there's no reason why he shouldn't be a Lou Groza Award finalist. And at this point, he looks like he's probably going to win it. Um, you know, we've had that before with Brad Craddock and he lost the award. I forget if it was like Guayo or something that he, he lost it to should have won, but, um, he should have won. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a huge weapon to have. You know, I expected that first drive of the game, Maryland, uh, to go for it on that fourth and medium. Um, but yeah, kicks a 53 yard field goal, uh, to, to get them on the board, go up or go down, you know, seven to three, get something on the board there. Um, and I think that was important for the offense to give him some confidence. Um, Ty Felton, though, two fumble re return kickoffs uh, two weeks in a row. Um, yeah, he so, needs to get out of there. Yeah, and I know, like, Dante Demas isn't, you know, the knee isn't to where you would like it to be as far as him returning kicks, but you got to put somebody back there. I don't know who it is, but you, you, you probably need to put somebody else back there. I know Roman Hemby has returned some kicks in, in the past. But that may be something uh, something to watch for because again, this is two weeks in a row that he's fumbled to kick off, and I believe both led to touchdowns. He's pretty valuable, but he looks like he looks like he'd be a good good player, good skill set for the job. The way he yeah. just gets downhill going, gets that top speed. So, um, well, yeah, and guys, you look point. at the score. You look at the score of the game, thirty four twenty seven. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's right there. But mm -hmm. look, those things can't happen. You did a great job with cutting down the penalties greatly. But you can't have three turnovers like that uh, that take place. That was huge, and we talked about the other two. And on that second pick, again, I'll, I'll give Leah, you know, on that first one, it was a poorly thrown ball. It wasn't a pick. The, the ref should have reviewed it. But that second pick, guys, that was not a good decision there. And Dan Enos, they even panned to him. Dan Enos was pissed, and he should have been, because that was a bad decision there. And so when you add it up, I mean, you've got the turnover by Felton. Um the first pick, though, didn't end up hurting him. Michigan missed a field goal off that play. So that, that didn't end up hurting Maryland there. So let's forget about that. Maybe I spent too much time on it. The second pick, though, unfortunately, did lead to a touchdown there. But also, if you go back late in the first half after a three and out, Michigan goes down the field, eight plays, 70 yards, and scores with a minute 14 left to go up 17-13. That hurt there, too. So you look at those three plays right there. That's a big part of your game right there. Yeah, typically in games like this, you don't have to look very far and you don't have to look at too much to decide, you know, what what are the couple things that needed to go in the other direction for Maryland to have a shot? Um, this is the type of game that we were looking for from them, though. Um, you know, in, in, in years past, they've been blown out by Michigan. I think I feel like they've been pretty much blown out by Michigan every year since 2014, yeah. the first year in the Big Ten where they went up there and beat them. Um, with Brady Hoke as the coach, and I don't even remember if it was Devin Gardner or somebody at, at quarterback. It was a bad year for the Big Ten that year. 
Um, them and Penn State had some r- yeah. rough years. Yeah. So you know, it, it's I know moral victories are a, are a um, controversial subject. I would call this a moral victory as long as you can build on it. Because if they turn around this week and lose to Michigan State, then it's all lost. Um, and we can talk about that now. You're looking ahead here at the entire month of October. They could and probably should win every single game. It's four games, Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, Northwestern at home, and Indiana on the road. Those are all four games that Maryland should and probably will be favored in, as long as they keep playing the way that they have been. Um, And it starts this week against Michigan State, uh, a team that is reeling. Um, Two straight losses to Washington and Minnesota. The Washington final score looks closer than the game actually was. Really, they got housed in both games. Uh, They're struggling to do much of anything on either side of the ball, guys, and this is a massive opportunity to go 4-1. and Maryland's currently favored by 7. This is a game that they should win. This is a game that they should win. Well, their secondary... Yeah, Michigan State secondary was a weak point of this team coming into this season. Washington under Penix, Michael Penix Jr., coming back from injury. Remember, he transferred to Washington from Indiana. His offensive coordinator in Indiana is the head coach there, if I'm not mistaken. So they were a package deal, and he absolutely tore up that Michigan State secondary. Now, Washington's a tough place to play, but Washington hasn't been exactly a a juggernaut the last couple of seasons. But Penix picked them apart. I think he had four touchdown passes in that game. And then you look against Minnesota. Now, Minnesota and you know, Tanner Morgan's had a nice season, but he's not exactly an elite passer. 23 of 26, 268, three touchdown passes. And on top of that, Mo Ibrahim, who's had a really good year so far, he runs for a buck three. But as a team, Minnesota ran for 240 yards. So clearly the Michigan State defense has major issues. Well, I think that was the game when I was looking that uh... – Minnesota had something crazy like 40 plus minutes of possession. It, it was something absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think yeah, Michigan 40, State. Yeah, 42 and a half to 17 yeah. and a half. Don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, that yeah. you rarely see that. Isn't that wild? So, I mean, Pat, Talia's got to be looking his chops. I mean, this is like, like Mike mentioned, their pass defense was the worst in the Big Ten and one of the worst in the country last year. They're currently ranked 99th in the country, so I don't think they've gotten much better. No, this is uh, not a good defense. So this is one that might actually make us really appreciate what we have at Maryland, what we have (laughs) had uh, in the last couple of years. Um, So, yeah, not that it's going to be an easy game. I mean, this could turn into a shootout. Maryland's defense has been up and down this year for sure. Um, But, like, you know, when I was writing up my, um, you know, players to focus on piece – uh, I almost mean I usually like to make it, you know, at least one offensive player, one defensive player, and then that third spot, you know, depending on the team, it's usually offensive. Um, this time I thought about going three offensive players because <laughs> it was just, it's not a great defense. I mean, that Jacoby Winman is is a freak. He's he's putting up stats left and right, and he's a um, a great pass rusher, but that's not going to help them much against, uh, you know. Talia throwing the ball to these receivers. And um, also Maryland's offensive line has been pretty darn good this year and has given yeah. Talia some time. So, um, yeah, like you said, Talia's got to be licking his chops a bit, thinking this could be a game where he could, you know, kind of – he probably wants to redeem himself from the one touchdown, two interception performance, even though I didn't think he played that poorly against Michigan. I think if he plays that well or slightly better against Michigan State, he could be looking at a, you know – 
250 to 300 plus day and three or four touchdowns. So yeah, he typically can get 300 yards in his sleep against 90% of the opponents on the schedule. Um, yeah. And it's not like Michigan State's offense has been anything to write home about. Uh, they've run for less than 50 yards in each of the last two games. You know, it used to be Michigan State, they ran the ball and they played defense. They're not doing either this year. And Peyton Thorne, seven touchdowns and six picks this year. But in the last three weeks, three touchdowns and five picks. So he's been bad, too. They just haven't been good at really anything. Their run defense has been okay, but I think that's primarily, like you mentioned, uh, you know, Minnesota ran all over them. It's primarily been the the first couple opponents on the schedule that they beat up, Western Michigan and Akron. Yeah, yeah no, I, it, I, go ahead. Pat. Sorry, not, not to interrupt, but I was just say, it's not really, you don't, you look at the offense, you don't really see guys that scare you anywhere. No. Uh, I mean, Keon Coleman, 6'4", 210, he's going to be a, a tough matchup for, you know, Jacorian Bennett's kind of tall, so maybe they'll put him on him. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's not a defense or an offensive strikes for India, that's for sure. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think I, I think the two receivers, Mosley and Reed, I think they're solid guys. Even though Coleman's the one that leads them, but I, you're right. I think a lot of those stats obviously were the first two games of the season, especially when you look at the running game because you know Berger five point three and Broussard four point six. But again, that came early. Uh, but I, I'm going to say this right now, though, and, and, and Zach, you said it, though, that Michigan game means nothing if Maryland doesn't come out and not just play a close game, but win this wins this game. But I'll tell you right now, Michigan State, they're back up against the wall. Mel Tucker is being paid a ton of money. You know, John Har Jim Harbaugh got a lot of crap for how much he was paid coming from the 49ers uh, to Michigan and not coming through with the results. And for the most part, they went wrong about that, although he still you know, put them in a lot better spot than where they were when he took over. But it was all fair. You know, he hadn't won uh, at East Division. He hadn't won a Big Ten conference. He had beaten Ohio State. So all fair. But Mel Tucker's being paid a ton of money. He is a defensive guy. Their backs are up against the wall. I, if you're Maryland, I fully expect to get Michigan State's best on Saturday from them. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't win the game, uh, but to me, uh, there should be absolutely zero swagger for Maryland coming into this game. Um, not to say they should be confident, but it, it, look, they're 3-1. and one. They lost to Michigan. That's great. It was a close game, but they still haven't won that signature Big Ten game. They haven't built that resume up enough yet, so going into this game, humble and hungry and go take care of business because if they lose this game I, I don't want to say that the whole season rests on this game guys because you talk about the October schedule but I'll tell you right now if for some reason Maryland gets hosed by Michigan State um, don't assume that they're going to come back and play great the rest of the month I think psychologically that could hurt them um, and Purdue they, they can put up points offensively at least so uh, in that next game so I think for Maryland, I think this is a really important game. And frankly, I think that from our perspective, I think there's honestly as much pressure on Maryland as, as there is in Michigan State in this game. I'll be very honest, given the expectations on this team this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think another thing that will give them confidence, though, they typically play Michigan State very tough. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, you're right. You know, there's maybe been one or two years where it's been sort of a blowout, but even on the road, the last few times they've played them on the road, it's been pretty tight. There was that game back in, I think it was 2016, Michigan State came into Maryland for a primetime game, and, and Maryland won. It was a big win for uh, for DJ Durkin, and in, in, I think that was his first year as their head coach. So 
I think that that can give you some confidence. Whereas, you know, Michigan, they've typically gotten blown out. Michigan State, they've typically pray, played pretty tight. It, it, look, it's a game that they should win. But yeah, if they can't build off that Michigan game, if we're sitting here next week uh, talking about, you know, a pretty handy loss, the conversation is going to be completely different. It's going to be, you know, what the hell is up with this team because they looked good and now it's typical Maryland. So that's going to be the concern if we're, if, you know, they turn this thing around next week and they lose this game. Um, so you're right. It is important. And I think, you know, this is, if they win this game, it proves that last week and the last few weeks have not been an anomaly. It's okay. This team actually is good. They fought hard against Michigan and lost but they're going to go places this year. And if you look at the landscape of the Big Ten, uh, especially the Big Ten East this year, you're looking at Ohio State and Michigan, and everybody else looks beatable. I'm not all in on Penn State yet. I know a lot of people are, but this is a schedule set up. You know, I, I, I mentioned the October schedule. You obviously run a little gauntlet in November with Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Penn State, and then you finish against Rutgers. But Looking at this schedule, it's not hard to find six wins. It's not even necessarily hard to find seven or even eight. So we're, we've been talking about, you know, will Maryland make that next step? And I think this year, you know, I talked about this year's team kind of being that best chance to get to that seven, eight, nine win mark. You look at the schedule and I think it, it, it sets up pretty well. Now you got to go take care of business and prove, uh, prove what you're all about. Yeah, definitely. This is... This is, a, as you said, Mike, big game. I personally feel pretty good about it, honestly. I, I, I think that they are playing loose. I think Mike Loxley has them feeling like they've been playing with house money because no one expects Maryland to do much of anything in football. So, um, you know, I think he feels like he has the talent now where he's, you know, maybe in the top half of the, the conference or at least, you know, the league within the conference, uh, you know, talent-wise. So, um yeah, I think in front of the home crowd, they're going to have a, a good performance. And and I, I just think that Maryland's defense being a little bit better than Michigan State is going to, you know, kind of be the difference there. Well, and I hope with a 3.30 kick, given how well they played against Michigan, given the fact that this is a winnable game against Michigan State, I'm really hoping that there's a great turnout. 3.30 ought to be uh, late enough in the day but not too crazy where the fans could be juiced up enough. But also if they hung out Friday night a little late, they can sleep in enough and still yeah. show up at, at Maryland Stadium at Capital One Field there. Uh, actually, it'll be CQ. It'll be CQ. Uh, they're going to yeah. dedicate that to CQ, I guess, on, on Saturday. But I, I look, this is really big for the fan base, for the students and the fans to get out and support Maryland Saturday. That's going to be big. And Loxley said it. Look, you want us to, to take that next step. Well, we also need the support from the fans to take that next step. And I know there have been a couple of big primetime games where Maryland's disappointed. But I think this year it's legit, though. It's legit in terms of being able to fulfill some expectations, beat some teams, play well, and maybe exceed that seven-win mark from last year. Yeah, it should be a good game if you're in the College Park area or the surrounding area. Be sure to head down there. I will not be there. I will be there against Purdue and Northwestern, though. So uh, if anybody's tailgating before those games, hit me up. Uh, homecoming on uh, the 22nd against Northwestern. Should be a good time. And uh, Purdue is a noon kickoff. They announced that yes, it uh, the other day. So they... Yeah, that's not quite as fun as 3 Don't hang out for your nights, Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Um, or stay out all night. No, I'm too old for that. Um, so be sure to check out uh, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com for our articles. Pat's got one 
on up today. I will have my preview up for the game on Thursday. Follow us on Twitter at TalkingTerpsBSL. Uh, and join us on the message boards at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. For my co-hosts, Mike Popovic, Pat Donahue, I'm Zach Kiesel. Roll Terps.